1: Fast Money does begin right now. The Dragon's going to win. Thank you all. From Times Square, I am Brian Sullivan. And for Melissa Lee, and your traders on the desk tonight are these guys, Tim Seymour, Carter Worth, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight, we dig into the hottest IPO of the year, Beyond Meat. Shares up 250% since they debut. The shorts, they're getting cooked. And the one major analyst covering the stock is here with the bull case, and that's Noble. But we start with what was a wild week for the markets and your money. Investors buying and selling on nearly every trade headline. in the markets valiantly but futilely trying to make a comeback from Monday's route. Tension in the Middle East and the growing possibility of a conflict with Iran adding to the nervousness as well. So what is the macro market telling us, if anything, Guy Adami, yes, sir. about the trade deal? And is all this volatility maybe,
2: maybe a chance to get in or get out? First of all, great having you here. You do yeoman's work nice each morning car. at 5 a.m. Great ten the hard way today, boys. Ten the, hard, ten the way. hard way. It's a five and a five. Thank I you. knew that. I play card. Listen, I'll say again, I've thought the market's going lower for a while. I've been wrong. But this week, in a lot of ways, has sort of solidified my view. I think 2940 in the S&P, and we have a great technician, Carter Worth, will tell you, that's pretty good. It's a pretty decent double top. And I'll say this again, I, don't th- I think we're further away from a trade deal now than we were 15 months ago when all this nonsense started. I think that's negative for the market. I think the market goes lower. What do you think the here. market
3: has been sort of becoming callous to all the negative headlines
2: maybe but i think that's actually makes it worse that the fact I think this complacency is coming in people think you know doesn't what?
3: it doesn't it feel like brent sorry to interrupt your answer but does it feel like brexit to you not brexit real. we had all these bad headlines i know it's ten times bigger than brexit or maybe more you can make the case but a lot of times we're selling off on these headlines and it's not grabbing hold of the market anymore we've only had a couple days to digest it so it's probably too soon to tell but I think is you're getting 10, to that point. Is it
1: 10 times bigger, Guy, I don't know than, than Brexit? Just, yeah. Honestly, I don't really... the amount of dollars we're talking about, even with the next round, is still not that much on a $17 trillion but economy.
4: It's the behavior of the elements, right, of the constituents that make up the market. The market's not important. here. What's important is that it's all defense all the time, right? Since the September high, the plunge in the recovery, what's leading? Utilities, staples, REITs. What was leading this week? The same thing. What's been leading for the past 15 months since the blow off top in January to defense and nothing is changing that. All of the hope for beta and cyclicality and banks, industrials, it's misplaced and it's misguided. They're not working.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, rather than trying to look at the market over the next 15 months or really where we're even going to be in three months, I would point to the things that happened this week. First of all, this is the second down week in a row uh, this year. We haven't had that, it, you know. At least in It's the first four-week losing streak for the Dow in three years. Okay, so 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 the numbers are kind of scary. There's some big macro stats. The things I think you should be worried about, um, if you look at where the Chinese yuan is, I know you're not looking that on your everyday charts, folks, but um, if you think about where there's really actually systemic risk out there, it's there. And every time we've actually seen the yuan challenge these five-year lows or numerically, uh, nominal terms, highs, it's, it's been an issue for markets. And mm-hmm. if you look at EM currencies, they're blowing out. If you look at emerging markets down 10% in seven days, that's not a good yeah. sign. So um, these are these are factors. Yes, U.S. credit's holding in there pretty well. Um, obviously, industrials and, and the, the bifurcated market. Really, you can look at the U.S. and say
3: everything's OK. But when this Fed happened back on in hold. March and it, April and June of last year. Fed's still the on hold, problem. though. So, I, so I, I, I don't disagree with anything that Tim just said, but the Fed is still on hold. So money is still easy. You have no sign of inflation. No sniff, no whiff of inflation. There's still a good environment for companies to earn money. So I get that there's going to be a headwind, but we all know that headwind. already. But,
1: you know, it's it's Tina, not Turner. Okay, it's there is no alternative, guy. And I oh, do wonder. I do I wonder I if we see. have if we have seen that yield on the ten year come down the way it has. It's, does that drive people back into stocks? Because the reality is, the dividend yield in the S and P 500 is basically basically that. And
2: risk seems still relatively low. Well, that's been true, obviously, I think, for the last seven or eight years. I mean, no you can't argue with that. It's been true. And I understand what Steve's saying, but I think there is inflation. This is not in the inflation the way the Fed measures it, but there's inflation in all the wrong places, not least of which asset price, price inflation. What Tim talked about with China is a big deal. And I'll take you back to August of 2015 when the Chinese devalued by February yeah. of 2016, the S&P had cratered down to 1810, if we all recall, and I think most of us do. So I'm not suggesting we're on the precipice of that, but it is a big deal. So
1: it, it, and it pains me to say it, but Tim made a very important whoa, and cogent point on the show. Whoa. And if we can bring up that yuan whoa. chart again, here's the thing. <clears throat> this Is this, the, the as we called it earlier this week on on, on Worldwide Exchange, the soft tariff war, the, the devaluation, the market bazooka, if you will, Tim, the fact that China doesn't talk about it. You know, it's not an express action, slap the tariffs on. But that may be a bigger threat than another 10%. Well,
0: you have a dynamic here where, if you read the Chinese press, they are basically saying, we don't need to do anything anytime soon. And, and this is a, a different dynamic than I think uh, you've actually seen. You've seen this outspoken, hey, let's get to a place where stalemate begins to unfold because that's where we can do best. I I think you have to follow bond yields, and I think ultimately that's not a good sign. So back to Tina. I know guys got a favorite, Tina. Um, Look, the the, the, the Tina for equities right now is what's the multiple you want to pay for the S&P? Because I think we've got a pretty good assessment, at least for now, where EPS is going to be. Let's call it somewhere between 165 and 170 if you want to drive a wide wide berth. And – You could put a 17 multiple on that and be in trouble. You could put a 19 multiple on that, which we have done during times like this, and equities have been absolutely fine.
4: And in terms of China, which is the big thing, I mean, there is no analog to the 15-16 stimulus. I mean, that was something that was a multiples bigger than what they're doing now. And China's already faltering. We are not getting that tailwind.
1: Before we move on, let me ask Grasso a direct question. If the Chinese yuan continues to fall, if it breaks 7 to 1, is there any way U.S. stocks could move higher?
3: Uh, yes, I do think they can move higher. I think that the biggest scare Even with the yawn, I
1: don't want to say collapsing, but I falling. I think
3: the biggest scare for the markets was trade. And then it segued into there's such a large gap between what we sell to them and what they sell to us that now was they were going to sell treasuries. Now, that is no longer a scare because all we've seen is yields collapse. So I think we're all creating these things and they're not existing for the market as a hurdle.
0: I I just think also, we've talked about the VIX a lot this week, and and I think it's also important to talk about volatility not being where it might have been at other times during a move like this, and and that actually this is a great time to be buying protection. I was actually rolling down some puts today that expired, and and frankly, very happy that the vol environment by the end of this week had calmed down substantially.
1: But are you buying other – let's go around the horn and talk about what we bought today. Are you buying, Tim, other protection for the market then?
0: Yeah, it's, it's overall protection, and it's in things that I think are higher correlated to growth or lack thereof. So um, I'm basically short small caps. I'm basically short some cyclicals. I'm basically short some semis just in case that can cover me for some names that I frankly like to own. By the way, that paid off because small caps,
1: the s and P small cap 600 down 3% this week, the worst by far of any index. Guy Dami, did you buy anything?
2: Healthcare. Today? Look at healthcare. You know, Tim Power Pitch, we do a segment on this show, by the way, we call it Power Pitch. Yeah, it was United, United Health. Course. Course. That was the day they Fast showed pitch. you wearing that uh, booger shirt. Pardon me? Gummy Bear Green. That's a great shirt, and I was yeah. going to wear it this evening. But tonight's only a half hour show, and I didn't want to give our audience. I wanted them to have the full participation on Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, maybe next week. With You're that said, a green UNH a floating head. UNH up significantly today. J and J, so healthcare work. And to answer Tim's question, my favorite Tina. As you know, is Luis St Luis. I mean,
3: Rasso. You know. Did you buy anything? Yes, today. I bought packaging. I bought Dude, West Rock. I bought more West Rock this week. And I, I wound Play? up. I wound up. And, and no, I think it's it's been beaten down enough, and I think that it's a duopoly with them. So I do think that this stock is so under expe- expected to move higher, and you get a nice yield while you wait. Olin Corp as well. I bought that for a yield Big while you wait as company, well. yeah. Diversified chemicals. So, and I bought Actually, TSC. one of the biggest
1: makers of ammunition for guns in America. John. Well, you would
3: know that. Yeah. Unfortunately. Big time player. So it's been, it's been under pressure, but I, actually, it's, it's been better than West Rock has, has uh, performed. But I'm buying not the leaders, the laggards in a market like this.
4: My week was watching decay. I started the week with a 2880, 2840 strangle, naked both sides on the S&P, happily mm. spread the Carter. needle. The strangle it means, and it like. means you're, you've sold the calls, and it can kill you on the upside, and you've sold the puts, and you're hoping that the market closes within Carter, those Carter, things. Carter.
1: Options, actions, it's coming show. up. This, is a, this is a preamble. It's the next show. <laughs> <We just keep laughs> preamble. All right, it is a preamble. <laughs> we the people. All right, stocks may get all the love, but bonds are where the big money really plays. And that big money made a big move this week. Despite fears that China may sell our debt to try to punish Trump, Maybe the opposite happened. Bonds got bought. Yields tumbled. Look at that. 2.39% in the 10-year. What's the next move for Treasuries? As always, the chart master himself has the answer. Carter Worth heading over to the plasma to look at bonds that we don't look at a
4: lot. Well, it's a big subject, and I'm not sure I do have the answer, but I have some ideas on the subject. And uh, we're going to talk about insurance stocks. This has been a very uh, good area of the market. I think there's more to come. Let's first look at interest rate sensitive areas of the market. Here over the past year plus is the BKX index, and the bulls would argue that this is some sort of – let's get rid of that and do it this way – some sort of head and shoulders bottom. Well, this right shoulder is sort of broken, so the, the wing is busted here. Um, now we add all Financials, which have done a bit better, because banks are struggling. You got things like American Express and insurance stock. Now, how about insurance only? Look at this. This is and this big up this week, big as much as utilities and REITs. Insurance is one of my favorite areas of the market. I want to talk about that now. Um, impervious, and they're supposed to do poorly when rates are going down, do better when rates are going up, and yet they're bucking the trend. So. Just to make that point, we peaked on September 21st, as all will know. We plunged to the Christmas low, and the market recovered back to that high and has basically put in a double top. Insurance stocks, S&P 500, property casualty, life health, um, brokers, up almost 4% versus the market, versus financials, versus banks. That's not random. There's something going on. Now, a few charts. One more stat, actually. How about stocks that were positive in the insurance on a one-week basis, two-week basis versus banks? How many stocks were positive in the BKX index? One, zero, three, versus 12, 14. Something's going on. Now the charts. How do you draw them? This head and shoulders, bottom, did stick. It did stick. It is making new highs. Impressive relative strength. market does this, and this group straight up. All right, three stocks in particular, MetLife, so many ways to draw the lines. You've got the head and shoulders bottom. You've got a big old cup and handle. Any way you splice it, I think this breaks out and goes to a new high. That's life health. This is property casualty. Trubb. Chubb, they'll, uh, well, they'll give you insurance on your antique clocks, that kind of thing. Either way, look at that. Beautiful. And then finally, a broker, uh, Martian McLennan. Look at the tension here. Well-defined tops. Again, up on the week. I love this area of the market, and they're all very low beta.
2: CBW, tremendous work as always. Do you think the stocks are are saying that the bond market's wrong, or or are the stocks just getting ahead of themselves? Because as you pointed out correctly, these insurance stocks should not be doing this well in an environment where rates continue to go down every day.
4: Right, and that is the disconnect that is inexplicable to some extent because the bond market is most likely right, and certainly these stocks would be wrong relative to the bond market. I think they're just in a rare moment where they're going to prosper regardless of the fact that rates are going lower.
1: All right, Carter, great stuff. Why don't you work your way? Mosey, as we say, back on over to the desk here. Anybody else
0: around the desk? Steve, Tim, Guy, do you like the insurance stocks? I tell you what, the insurance companies, I think, actually do better in a lower rate environment because they have lower funding costs. Now, on some level, that could uh, also then equate to lower rates. Uh, in terms of treasuries, also are a lower growth environment, which leads certainly to more credit risk out there. But the insurance companies have largely been, you know, covered some great charts there. Uh, But this has been dead money for two years. So the question really is if you think this is their moment to shine, um, I'm not so sure. I mean, that that Chubb chart looks like it takes you right back to where it's been struggling at resistance around 148, 150 um, for the last couple of years. But um, I, I also just have been someone that thinks that banks are more maligned than they should be at this point with their valuations where they are. Yes, they've done nothing. They're not going to lead you. Um, but I feel comfortable owning some of these balance sheets. I
4: mean, it could I, just I be don't, people being defensive. There are right. people who have to be allocated to financials, and they're saying, well, notice how well American Express. Uh, Express. Right. I'll, I'll hide in Aflac. But either way, you, the performance is the performance, and it's hard to fight that kind Met of – MetLife up
3: 15% with a yield over 3%. Sounds like not a bad place to hide. I think you hit it on the head. I think people are just hiding there. They have to be allocated to that sector. Yeah. So why not be – You there? know,
1: speaking of Amex, uh, Guy, we did a segment on the show a couple of days ago that, that interest rates on credit cards are at all-time, all-time Highs. Time highs. Seventeen percent is the average when you take out a new card, but yet funding costs are lower. That would seem to be money in the bank for the visas for the American and, and
2: look at Visa and Mastercard yesterday. I mean, obviously different companies from American Express, but the sure. the transaction companies have done very well. But you mentioned that auto delinquencies at a nine year high. So people want to say what great shape the consumers in. If you look below the hood, I don't think it's great. The consumer's in great shape at all. Okay, good stuff. Coming up, beyond meat has been beyond
1: amazing. Shares up 250% since the the IPO. The only major analyst on beyond me is here today just for you. And speaking of IPOs, Uber trying to gain back some of the ground it lost since going public. We're going to hop right on that stock and then talk about how you can make a little extra cash when yeah. you trade it. As always, we are live from Times Square, in New York City, and there was so much more fast money right after this. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Beyond Meat did something today that maybe beyond belief. The stock actually fell. It shares up about 250-odd percent since the IPO, and they made investors 34% on that stock just this week. Let's welcome in Alexia Howard, Senior Research Analyst at Bernstein. She joins us on the Fast Line. She has been right. She's got an $81 target. Alexia, you were bullish on the name. You were right. A lot of people doubted the call. It's been spectacular. But even, are you even surprised? By the amount of interest in this stock
5: I think it 's one of those uh, sort of unicorn like situations where um, you 've got a lot going on in the food space right now. A lot of the older legacy um, established big food companies have been struggling for some time, and here you 've got a pure play company that 's in a very fast growing category of plant based and alternative meats, and um, it, the the market is growing very, very nicely. And when we look at other explosive food categories like this, think about what happened with uh, the nut-based milks when almond milk hit the market several years ago. It really propelled that category uh, into a a very fast pace for several years in a row. And I think we've got a similar situation here. So it's not surprising to me that uh, there's a lot of interest in this name because I think the potential market size over the next five, 10 years uh, really is way bigger than it is today.
0: Hey, Alexia, it's Tim Seymour. Thank you for joining us. I guess my question is not that I don't doubt the future of alternative meats. I guess my question is, why aren't Kraft and some of the biggest food companies in the world uh, you know, going to eat their lunch? And, and why do we pay a multiple for this company? I realize they're out first, but it's just a matter of time before people are, are essentially recreating everything they're doing.
5: Well, I think what's interesting, if you look at the plant-based milk market, uh, that did suffer that problem because, you know, I can throw a few almonds into my Vitamix and here I've got almond milk. And so what happened in that category was you did have a lot of uh, private label products, a lot of smaller brands immediately entered the market and uh, really did cause some problems. But I think in this situation, you've got a a category that's really taken a leap forward. If you think about the old veggie burgers that were kind of stuck in the frozen section of the store, uh, often in a sort of distant part of the store that was only um, shopped by vegetarians and vegans, that was a very different proposition than these next-generation of products that really are targeting meat eaters with fresh uh, burgers and sausages and other products in the fresh meat section of the store. So they're really going to the omnivore, the meat eating uh, public Mm -hmm. with these products. And they're also very difficult to make. So it's not something that's easy to make like a plant-based milk, yeah. it's actually something that these companies have spent several years developing the technology to get the taste and texture just right. So yes, we've got Nestle and we've got Tyson throwing their hat into the ring later this year, um, but I think these pioneering um, products like Impossible Burger and Beyond Meat, they've gotten a uh, they've gotten a fast start, and I think um, there's going to be a lot of different categories that they can play in. Apparently, the darling yep. of the, the roadshows before the IPO from Beyond Meat was really their breakfast sausage. Um, which we heard a couple of days ago, is now being tested in Tim Hortons. So if you think about the overall market, I think there's a lot of different places that people can play. All
1: right, Alexia Howard, uh, Bernstein, getting the call, write a note. The stock's above your price target. No, you can't address it, but I'm sure that price target's under review. Alexia, thank you very much for joining us. Beyond meat, all right, I mean, the, the stock's at 57 times Beyond sanity. sales.
0: 57 be, be sanity. times I, 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 sales.
1: I, I understand it's hot, but is the stock too hot?
0: It's too hot for me. And, and, again, she brought up some great points why the leaders are out there, but I, I don't see anything here that, that deserves this multiple. Is it a fan? I, I think plus d- it's food disruption get, plus is it's, great, not as, it's
3: not as healthy. I, I'm waiting for those side-by-sides comparisons. It's low to with preservatives. It's low to with salt. So you're going to wind up wow. looking at a lot of these different things where <laughs> – you start to see that maybe it's not as healthy as people think it is. Yeah, you had one of those burgers on the set. How did, how did that go I will, for you? I will tell yeah. you
2: <laughs> honestly, and I said it that evening, I actually enjoyed it. I was shocked at how but well, tasty it was. Well, look was. how bloated he is. How much, much, much want to okay, Let's put it the, Okay, let's put it in the Hold Okay, hold on. hours later. Let's bring it back. Put it in perspective.
1: Lyft is trading at six times sales. Beyond Meat, 57 times sales. Is there anybody at this table that would be a buyer of that stock right now at that price?
2: Negative, Ghost Rider. Pattern's full. You could ask that question 50% ago. It's an epic short squeeze. When options start to trade, I would look out below.
1: Okay, there you go. For more on Wall Street's obsession with Beyond Meat, go to tradingnation.cnbc.com. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up
3: on Fast. What do you want? You you want the moon? Just say the word
4: and I'll throw a lasso around and pull it down. Well, George, the crypto ballers everywhere were waiting for Bitcoin to moon, but the cryptocurrency is falling back to earth after a big run. We've got the details on what went wrong. Plus, turn the car around! After a bumpy ride to its public debut, Uber shares have done a 180, and we've got a way to buy the stock with just a little extra insurance. There's much more fast money right after this.
1: All right, as the snazzy graphics suggest, there is a Bitcoin alert. And check out the nightmare Bitcoin had last night, plunging more than 10% at one point, ending down 8.9%. $700 drop, $21 billion wiped out from the market cap. Now, the fall coming after a very impressive week and what's been an impressive year. Bitcoin rallied 30%, broke above the 8,000 level. It had doubled already this year. Tim Seymour, it's probably hard to know. I know there was a big sell order put in last night on Bitstamp. They were looking into it. What do you think was behind the wild swings in Bitcoin?
0: Well, first of all, you you had all all the Bitcoin folks in New York. There's a big conference going on. There's certainly been a lot of enthusiasm around it. You've actually traded. If you follow uh, a trend line off of that April 4th kind of rally where it spiked higher, you actually still are above that trend line, which probably takes you up to around 6,800. So uh, if you're a charter, um, and I know we have one on the desk. I bet Carter's got a view on this. I mean, the bottom line is you got to a 95-9-day RSI. for Even for Bitcoin, that was extreme.
4: And,
1: got out of
0: every and, band,
4: and, didn't and it? And the move up is what was important. It gapped up. There's only been five times it's gapped in the past year. All those other gaps have been closed. This sell-off practically closed the gap. I think you buy it.
1: Okay, let's go around the horn. Time
0: for the final trades, guys. Tim Seymour? Yeah, we like to beat up on banks, and I realize it's not been a great run, but J.P. Morgan is a name I go to sleep at night with right now, and I do think it's a valuation I can own. Carter.
3: Chubb. Insurance. Hmm. That's it. So That's, you it. Got it. That's okay, the pick. You Thanks. See you on the next show. Steve <laughs> Lenar's been a holding of mine. I've said wait to buy it until it holds the $50 mark. It's held the $50 mark since April 4th. I think you're okay to be a buyer. I'm still long Lenar L-E-N. All right, Dami. Man, a few words, Carter. Worth.
2: Sometimes less is more. As it turns out, I appreciate you being here. It's you know it's amazing. 5 a.m. 5 p.m. But UNH going high. Five's the hard way. There we go.
1: Guys, thanks for making it easy. We're done here, but option action and Mr. Carter Ward starts right after
5: the break. That was nice. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.